into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast so hoarse from recording too much that Grimbold wants to ride us. How you doing, Dan? Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Uh, wow. Anyone who's listened to the uh, last streams in Middle-Earth would have also picked up something from that. Um, I suppose it's a good way of segueing into this. So uh, first of all, Congratulations to uh, Damien and Steve, our streams in Middle-earth. They're branching out. They're creating their own uh, channel, which they'll be switching over to do their usual uh, live streaming shenanigans very shortly. I think uh, a couple of weeks' time, they said they're going to do a few more on the GBHL channel, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so don't know. They've not given a definitive date, but I'm sure they will. And they've opened their Patreon, which um, watching the pair of them, um, I think they was a mix of... Um, you know, extreme humble gratitude and also sort of toe-curling embarrassment because people have given them their money. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we both have. Yeah, we, both we, signed we, up. We, we talked about it on the last show a little bit, didn't we, that we'd, uh, mm. we'd both signed up and they've um, they've grown quite well since then, haven't they? It was like, uh, and uh, to, to date this a little bit, today is the 1st of September and it was the first uh, payment tape so uh they've got our cash now well and truly <laughs> well I, I thought i would um the the, the grimbold horse thing is fairly topical at the moment if you well if you're if you're familiar with zorpa zorp and you watch the zorpa zorp channel in the zorpa zorp group and or not, a lot of that spilt over to the gbhl um facebook group as well if you if you're not in those you may not have a clue what we're on about but uh, um there is a lot of there's a, there's quite a few grimbold horse memes out there at the moment anyway um so what have we got coming up today uh today we have uh, our usual many meetings which might be quite short today because we're um we're recording fairly close to the last time um we only just put a show out but um the reason we're back so quickly is because we got our hands on new things um and we have the best of white dwarf and and for the council of elrond today we're going to be reviewing the book so, we'll take a little break now and we'll come back with many meetings. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. Hello again. Well, thank you for listening to the wonderful... We don't talk about our, our um, show sponsor enough. Um, we just leave the adverts in there. Um, but uh, he's been he's been working extra hard during during lockdown and um, growing his business. And, uh, and I think he's slowly starting to open up more and more of the uh, more and more days to gaming if you pre-book. So uh, if you haven't checked out Incon Gaming, go and check over there. He can get you anything uh, Middle Earth related that's on the main range. Um, so go and head over and have a look anyway what have you been up to since we last recorded which really wasn't many days ago at all it's not even been a week has it dan so it's a it's a bit of a, no, bit of a stretch um 
yeah, obviously I've not done huge amounts since then. Um, I have done some uh, Middle Earth. I have been painting. Obviously, I tuned in on uh, last Friday to the Bass Streams of Middle Earth. It was the Keeper episode. Golb. As, although Damien does that much better than either of us could. Uh, so I did start painting him. It's the first time I've actually been painting along and actually painting the model that was supposed to be being painted. Or indeed, in some cases, even picked up a paintbrush while watching. Sometimes it's just a good excuse to drink. Um, I've been enjoying doing that. He's, he's not finished. I'll be straight up with that. Um, I've got a fair bit done on him. I will actually post the work in progress up to the, the channels. I don't really post pictures of much of what I've been doing recently, so I really ought to do that. His, uh, his skin's done, and uh, some of his armour, and, and he's started his hair actually last night. I did plan on doing some more this evening before we recorded, but the day got away with me a little bit, so I've enjoyed painting him so far. But, um, both, obviously, it's the same model as the original one, and I painted the original one not too long ago, um, which I really enjoyed. But it does almost feel like painting a totally different model. I know that sounds very silly, considering it is the same model in a different pose. But well, it is a totally different model, just the same character. Yeah, it's obviously the, the design cues and everything are all the same. Yeah, it's generally a reposed version of the same thing. But the way it flows, I, I before this I was a fierce proponent for the the, the original, um, Bolg as he originally was, and then the Keeper of the Dungeons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, with his sort of um, his pick held across his body. I, I really, really love that model. I still love that model. But the new one's warming on me. It might be coming up almost into a neck-and-neck neck position for which one I, <laughs> I prefer. We'll see how I feel when I get to the end of it, when, he, when he's in his truest majesty. It will paint it up. But I've been enjoying painting him. He's uh, been good fun, and um, I'm looking forward to getting him done, and then I've got to make the awkward decision of which one actually makes it into my dog order <laughs> army. You can swap and change it back, can't you, depending on, depending on your mood. Um, I yeah. I like it. I think I like the new one, and I, there's not an option. I don't I don't own either, and there's not really an option of picking the other one anyway now. But if there was, I'd pick up the new one just because it'll be forged by resin rather than the the GW resin, so it's generally a little bit better quality. That would be the, the reason I would go for it. But I, I think watching that battle streams was the first time I um I wasn't trying to sort of paint along or build along with the the theme that week. Um, I just <laughs> I'm sitting there with all these models to do for Helm's Deep and these masses of masses of projects, and the keeper just isn't on any of my projects for for a long, long time. So I just thought, no, this don't don't get him to use that time because time is precious at the moment. Use that evening to paint my own stuff, and I spent it well after dealing with my um my my eighteen month old who is not sleeping at all at the moment and watching the first sort of two hours of the stream on my phone in his room, um, I ended up painting some elves. But anyway, back to you back to uh what you were doing, a sort of interjector there. No, no, totally fair. I mean it would be a bit weird to go back and talk about him again after, especially given you didn't buy him. It's <laughs> still like, I didn't do that. <laughs> Contrary. Um no, that was good fun on uh, on Friday night. I really enjoyed that. Um congratulations to the winners. Um Damon and Steve did give away various different bits and pieces, including one of the coveted new dice. Mm-hmm. Um, yet to be made, but everyone will get them. I'm hoping mine give me good fortune for the uh, <laughs> death matches ahead, because goodness knows I need the help. Um, and then I did do uh, some hobby on Sunday. Um, not Middle-earth, I have to say, but uh, I did go away again uh, to my friend's... Uh, I think I've spoken about this before. He lives and works at a wedding venue. 
and we were able to socially distance game outside and some gazebos and had a, a really nice time, admittedly playing the new edition of uh, 140,000, but it's all right. It, yeah, it's made me realize, um, you know, uh, gaming begets more gaming and begets painting and enthusiasm and it drives that hobby buzz. Yeah. I've had this discussion in a, the, the side chat we've got, which uh, with Mr. Stallard today, it, it, it's become apparent that the more you positively interact, especially the social side of the hobby, the more it drives all the less social sides of the hobby, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get, what, you, get what you mean. For a hobby that's um, often painted as being a bit, um, you know, in your, in your hobby dungeon painting little figurines, it's, it's a very social hobby and it does improve everything when you are being more social. So obviously I can see that there's um, more things opening up, uh, events, etc. I've seen more of them being posted in the GVHL Facebook group. Yeah. So, you know, I think that will drive uh, more positivity into the hobby and um, get people more enthusiastic and exciting and coinciding with all the getting. You know, the, the, it's all coming round now after the uh, period in which obviously Games Workshop had some logistical issues, let's put it that way, due to COVID, which every company did. Yeah. It's really nice seeing it all come round and um, things are starting to happen again, which is which is wonderful. And we're, hopefully get back to some semblance of at least a release normality, even if we can't get back to true normality yet. So we can all enjoy more awesome hobby stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah. That's kind of what I've done. And then just, you know, generally just chilling out over the bank holiday weekend and uh, doing a little bit of hobby here and there. So how about yourself? You've done much? Um, I've done a little bit. I mean, just carrying on for what you were saying there a little bit about, um, about the kind of events drive your, your painting really. And, uh, when you've you obviously painted your stuff for the event that I cancelled um, a long long time ago, <laughs> so you were already kind of like twiddling your thumbs and starting extra projects, and then then having to nothing else to kind of paint for. Now, like you said, there are some events coming up, and um, you, you know you you'll have to make your own decisions, I suppose, whether something comes up that you fancy going to. Um, and it's difficult at the moment, isn't it? Because I think people have very mixed opinions on whether they want to or not go to events. And that's cool. And the best, most important thing we do at the moment now is make sure that, that, that we don't judge people who do want to too much. We don't judge people who don't want to and allow people to kind of get on and do their thing um, and, and until we get back to a more normal world. But um, I haven't got any problem with with painting motivation because I've got such a long list of things I want to do. I was just thinking about it as you were saying and thinking, does that affect me? Am I, am I not painting stuff for, or because I'm, because I'm not events and it's purely time at the moment. I'm just trying to do painting whenever I, wherever I can. I've got almost too much I want to do. I'm actually looking forward to maybe in a sort of 12 months time when I've got to the point where I've done three or four army projects that I really want to do. So just give me that core of, those factions I keep talking about, show after show, that I want those, I want to be able to do a lot of the scenarios from from the Lord of the Rings films first, and then follow up with the Hobbit ones. But I want to do a lot of those scenarios, and that means, it means having a Balrog and some Moria goblins. It means having sort of maybe five, six hundred point playable lists for a lot of the things that appear in the film. Um, and that's uh, once I've got there, I can go and start filling it in with other other stuff. So I've got a massive list. I'm almost kind of just want more time to do it. Um, um, I'll be. You're talking about events and things. Um, we were talking about Throne of Skulls again the other day. 
and thinking about we still thinking oh are we building our boards are we doing our armies for it and we were trying to work out whether it was going to happen and I think we said before that we've logically come to the conclusion that it's very unlikely that we're going to see Throne of Skulls this year that's our opinion that's obviously not GW's announcement but we were talking about whether they were going to make an announcement weren't we because it's not really in their style to do that is it they don't normally make an announcement um, to say something that hasn't been announced yet isn't happening because the way they yeah. tend to work is, even though that it's there's been a Throne of Skulls for years and years on end around the same sort of time, um, it's not it's not official until it's announced. And it, GW's way tends to be, if they're not going to do it, they just don't do it. And people have to work out that it's not happening by the fact that it's not there. They don't seem to, they don't, they don't I think to say, don't they? Oh, by the way, this year and the complications and the fact that obviously we've missed so many. Yeah. I don't think it would be entirely untoward for them to step out from, as I agree, they normally aren't. That's not their style. No. It's very much not in their wheelhouse to turn around and just go, we know that you guys keep an eye on roughly when things happen. Um, and just to end, I don't know, the, the, the general muttering that seems to happen in the hobby communities when people obviously wonder maybe it wouldn't be out untoward if they knew that they definitely couldn't do anything up to a certain date. Yeah. But that could be it. They just don't know because I mean, I don't know about you and I, we've discussed this enough. I don't know what half the rules are half the time. So I just err on the safest possible course. <laughs> if you're operating a business or a, especially a business that revolves around um, social gatherings, yeah. how on earth do you make a call on that? Because you just say, okay, if they, let's say they turn around and said, yep, nothing more in uh, 2020. Yeah. And then the government restrictions, you know, suddenly ease up because the world changes. Yeah, It's, it's, it's very difficult. I don't envy them that. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know whether that get into a massive COVID chat, I think it depends on whether you think that, um, that, that things are going to, if you're, if you're one of the people that goes down the, the route that you think things are going to continue to ease up, then you, you'll be, or you're optimistic they will keep, continue to ease up. Then um, you might think there's a chance if you're, I'm probably of the mindset that, that this is as easy as it's going to be you know, this side of Christmas, this side of New Year. Um, if anything, we'll see, you know, some people will unfortunately be caught up in localised lockdowns. I know they will, I imagine the government's not going to try to keep things at, at sort of worst as it is now, apart from localised. But that's the way I see it. That's my interpretation of just the news, I suppose. Um, but people do, you know, interpret things in different ways and quite rightly. Um, so I couldn't see how they could do it. And um, we've seen a lot of, a few events been announced, but I should say I've not seen an event I think I've only seen one event announced that's above like 24 players. It seems to be kind of 20-man, 24-man events. People trying to keep comfortably under that, if you include the TOs, comfortably under the, the 30 that's been set for weddings. Because wedding is used as the example, isn't it, for the indoor kind of gathering thing. There's not really, I've not really seen any other other guidelines that say other events indoors. Um, I don't think there's anything in the in the COVID guidelines in the UK. Sorry, non-UK peeps. Um, it's an interesting conversation, but um, I've not seen anything in there. The, all you can do is apply it to, 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 weather, to weddings as a guideline. Um, but then someone Which again, out. I think is a bit of a different kettle of fish. It is. It's a very different environment and more people potentially yeah. sitting around a table, but then, and then you'll have a you know, I was chatting to the store owner for, for, for Incom Gaming, and we were talking about it, and he's like, 
yeah, we're doing events, but we, you know, we've drastically cut it down. There's really strict rules. There's masks and all these, all, all the, you know, hand sanitizer, all these things that you'd expect. Um, and the kind of things you'll see if you go to a pub or a restaurant at the moment, you're quite often booking ahead, though sometimes you can go and phone ahead, etc. But you generally can't turn up on, on at the door. They are, or rather people didn't do that, which is fine. Um, but when you sit down for a meal, you're generally sitting down with your family, aren't you? I suppose some people might meet up from someone outside the household, but I'm not really sure where you're supposed to. But I suppose if you're playing games, you're there are going to be four rounds. You're going to meet people from four different households just across the table, but then you're going to have masks on. It's it's really confusing. So I I would imagine, and I might be completely wrong. I would imagine that GW are just going to go. Nah, that's it for this year. Too complicated. Um, and maybe they will make an announcement at some point that doesn't say that, by the way, this event and this event and this event won't run. It just might be um, nothing. That just an announcement that's saying that as far as events go, there will be none at Warhammer World um, the remainder of 2020 or something like that. And that way, then we know. Um, I just want to know which which order to do my projects in, to be honest with you. I'm not going to not do my um, my ends, but... If they don't have to be done for this this sort of December, which I'm pretty confident now, I don't want to make a mistake on it and then not do them. Um, I will do other stuff, and I've got lots of other bits I want to do. And something about me is calling out at the moment is to get my fellowship painted. Hopefully, Quest will be out soon, and they're going to get needed. And I do my shalob and start doing some of the things that we that we're guessing might be in that book. Um, so those kind of themed. And I've also bought, I suppose this is, this is linked to it a little bit, so one of the things I've actually done is um, a video card has arrived so that I can use my um, my 4K camera for as a webcam. Um, I got that with the idea to be able to point it down at a table, um, taking a little bit of, of inspiration from from Damien and, and Adam Trope for that for that Warcom article where they they played their their socially distanced very socially distanced game actually completely different households in different towns but um, um, we thought that we'd we'd play some some narrative scenarios and we imagined that maybe in Quest there might even be some sort of smaller based ones with just a few wraiths or weathertop or something like that um, and it might be fun to get the 4k camera pointing down at the table and maybe um, play a game that way between us or something so at least we're getting some gaming in so we've, we've been talking about that offline so to speak um and if that's what gaming's going to be like for us this year then i'd probably put a bit of energy in that and, and maybe shelve other projects for the time being until i've painted things for that it would seem like a smarter thing to do so we could start enjoying those things and give us some content to talk about on the show as well so that's something that that may happen um in the future but um yeah i just it, just listening to you talking about it just made it you know just thought we'd mention it because we we're talking about it the other day and i imagine there's other gamers out there in the uk who are thinking about throwing calls um who are wondering still whether to plan for it or not um something what did we what did we say the other day as well that the tickets would have probably been on sale by now as well would not they um traditionally um they have been by now the end of we? august beginning of september there we go so it would have been around this period anyway so if those of us who were thinking well it might still go ahead um the window for, for tickets going on sale is, is obviously diminished a lot i mean there's still plenty of time get of course there's no rule that says they have to sell them this far in advance but um i, I do wonder It'd be nice if anyone from gw is listening and um it won't be in your your power probably but um I imagine that um, people would like to know just for planning for their own personal hobby, really. Um, anyway, other stuff, what have I done? I've finished my Gladrim. Well, I've finished the, the main 24. I've still got to finish off the finish off Haldir and um, the, the command guys. But 
So I finished off the main guys. I haven't taken any pictures yet because I've got a massive commission all over my desk, which means clearing that off to get the uh, backdrop down and set the lights up. So um, I probably won't get a p- picture of those for a few days. But um, So I finished painting those, which is good. That's the first sort of chunk of the Helm's Deep 4 stum. Um, I did a, I recorded a, um, unboxing video for AMA and the, um, the Best of White Dwarf book. It's only a short video. It's about 13 minutes for both things. It is very much an overview flick through. It's an, it's an unboxing rather than a review. Um, but if you're looking forward to the, the, the book review in the next segment, it might be worth just pausing this show before you do and actually just watching that video and cause you'll get the book. You know, I flick through pretty I mean, I turned the pages quickly. You won't be there reading it all, but I flipped through pretty much the whole book just to give you an give people an idea what it's what it's what it's about. Um, so yeah, go and check that out if you haven't already. Links in the show notes for our YouTube channel. Um, I took delivery of some more Hobby Zone um, paint racks and things. So uh, I had a couple of big sort of eighty bottle, two eighty bottle um, paint holders for ages, and that sort of holds nearly all of my scale 75 and a load of Vallejo but I still run, was running out of space and I've been planning to get some more stuff for a while so I got a few different styles and some drawers and a paintbrush holder and stuff as well I just wanted to expand it and um, I think I was thinking about it the other day I got to the end of the year really to order it because we don't really know what's going to happen import wise because the company's based in Poland um, didn't know what's really going to happen import wise come January time yet because we don't know what's going on with Brexit um so i thought mm, probably safe to get them this year do i want to get them at the end of the year near christmas when i'm trying to buy presents and stuff for people probably not so let's get them now let's get them ordered so i've sort of tidied my desk set up not very exciting but they're really really good products so anyone that hasn't looked at them um before yeah, i think you should head over and um to hobbyzone.pl and have a look at all the paint racks and stuff it's really good stuff really good value and really easy up. to go together it's like a little painting amphitheater like you're sat in the middle i was going to but i realized how much we shared pictures of our desks (laughs) in the last couple of months i think i did a picture of the desk then i did there's a there's a hobby video isn't there of my room my hobby room um the desk is still in the same place is stuff moved a bit i might do a picture but i think people are fed up of seeing pictures of my desk um and then what else oh other than that yeah we've uh, I've had a quick look through the, the White Dwarf book and Emma they arrived at the weekend I was very excited I was out car shopping with the wife um, and we were just about to leave the house and the book the box arrived otherwise I'd have missed it and I wouldn't have been able to collect it till today god yeah it's the bank holiday so that would have been depressing so the book the box arrived I grabbed the box and normally when we got in the car I was holding the box and the wife was looking at me why have you brought that and uh, and when she was having her test drive, um, I was sitting in the car with the two boys, and Jacob and I were excitedly looking at the the uh, the, the book and the box. Well, I left the cellophane on for the unboxing, but we were um, <laughs> looking at the pictures on the side of it and looking at the model and stuff. And uh, my youngest, eighteen month old, was just driven in the back. But it's all 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 very exciting stuff. It's amazing at forty two years old, you still get excited about a delivery on a Saturday morning and have to take it in the car with you. Um, very much, very very childish there. Um, but yeah, that's me really. I've not done not done loads and loads of stuff because it's only been like four or five days since we last recorded. Um, but I'm glad to have finished those Galadrim anyway. Now that was an unintended pun there. Um, I don't know what to paint next. I really should crack on and do more of the defenders, but it doesn't look like we're going to get together in the next sort of four to six weeks, does it, to play the, the Helm's Deep game? So I'm thinking that is it actually smart now to go and paint the four hobbits or something like that and just get them done. Oh, 
There's a reason for that, which I haven't mentioned. I will be taking delivery very soon of a um, weather top um, from 3D tabletop, a 3D printed weather top. So I'll get that painted. That will become a, a, another centerpiece for a table at um, the rescheduled Flotsam Jetsam next year. Um, but I'll also have weather top. So we could, with that that video card now, I'm I'm just making a massive assumption there's going to be a weather top based scenario in Quest of the Ring Bear. If there's not, then there's going to be old ones we can use. Um, but I've got the paint, all the painted wraiths. Um, if I paint if I paint Aragorn and the four hobbits, that'll be a fun one that we could do over weblink. I think. Yeah, so, definitely. So the right sort of size. We don't need a a massive table, I imagine, for that. Um, so that could be that could be cool. So um, yeah, so projects i'll have a think um have a think about what to do next too many things um have you got anything else or should we uh should we head out to a break and come back and talk about best of white dwarf yeah the book's looking at me let's get a look at the book cool catch you in a minute guys the hour grows late and bland of gray plastic comes seeking my counsel you are sure of this bland elf yes the event is fully painted it was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. And we're back. And it's time for a Council of Elrond and our review of the Best of White Dwarf. So, um, what is the Best of White Dwarf, Dan? Well, it's a hardback book for a start. It's um, in the similar style. If we just, if we just pick up and look at it, there was the... Uh, main rule book and the armies of the hobbit and all of the rings and battle companies and all of the supplements it's, it sits on the shelf amongst those and looks perfectly in line it's got a lovely little red ribbon it is exactly what it says on the tin really it's exactly what you expect from the studio yes the, the quality is the same it's not like they've just gone through and thought you know what have we published about middle earth in the last oh, 20 years and just wrap it all into a book and sell it to us no it, it's the quality is there. It's, it's, a, it's it is a lovely book. It's been very well thought out from what I can gather. I, I haven't read it cover to cover yet. It's not been that long, but I've read enough of it to know they've actually picked a really lovely broad cross section that does show off what the hobby, not just gaming, not just painting, not just you know parts of the law, but actually what the whole hobby is. It is, it, is, it is a showcase of basically the, the Middle-Earth hobby as Games Workshop sees it, and I, I really enjoy it for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you were saying it's, it's, it fits perfectly with all the other books. It's um, it's of its age, so it's a Middle-Earth strategy battle game branding with the, the blue 
cover and the gold writing and the the red um the red bookmark in it so it fits in with all the others um and the collector in me who's someone who's just collected all the previous editions of everything and all the previous supplements over the last few months um there was no way i wasn't going to pick it up um so th- there are have been three previous editions of the best of white dwarfs obviously not from this era it's not something we've seen for a while and i don't think there's something we've seen for any system for a while they have been done for other they've sort of done a generalized best of white dwarf for, for for other things haven't they i'm pretty sure they have i'm sure there's been a 40k one at some point um but um, a long time ago exactly it is the kind of ago. thing you saw from a long time ago and the previous three editions were there was a, a there was a fellowship the two towers and a return of the king edition um i think the return of the king edition is a bit smaller and, and maybe being criticized a little bit more but I've got them all. They're really, really, really cool things to flick through. Very much nostalgia based, and um, definitely like them. So, anyway, it's available only in, in hardback in terms of book form. It's thirty pounds, I think. Then um, it is available digital as well. So I picked up the digital copy, um, which um, I, I mean, when I was doing the YouTube video, I was debating whether I needed it. And I, and I don't really need it, to be honest with you. I've got everything digital so far because I think it's great when you go to an event and you can um, sort of flick and find the rules that you need, which is perfect. With this not being kind of event worthy, really, um, I probably didn't need the digital one. I was concerned that I might miss the post because I knew I was going car shopping on the Saturday and I knew that we'd be recording a few days later and I just thought, well, I really want to start reading it as well. So I did purchase the the digital edition from um, Warhammer Digital and I was able to download it at midnight um, on the the Sunday morning while still watching the end of the the battle streams, actually. I was was on there downloading the book and first flicking through it then. Um, And, yeah... my initial impressions were uh, was quite surprised actually um there's there'd been quite a few people kind of saying quite loudly on the internet and the groups and things not too badly but saying well i'm not going to get it you know i think people are really excited for for quest and they're really looking forward to that so this is a bit of a a distraction they're not too worried about at the moment um i'd say most but some people are saying that the loud majority a minority probably and i thought no i want this anyway i'm a collector i like it um it's going to be all right and when i started flicking through i started thinking actually like you said this is seems pretty well thought out there's a good range of um different content inside um it's interesting things of all things i think you know i'd want to read that there wasn't many kind of i wouldn't really read that article um i guess they've had a longer period of time to to pick stuff from some of it would have been wilderness years but um they've got some some stuff from all eras in there haven't they they've got stuff right back into sort of the first editions of the game and and stuff that probably could have made it into the earlier best of white dwarfs um stuff from the hobbit era stuff from um and stuff from the last sort of last year or so last two years so there's a there's a complete range but um i thought it was put together really really nicely and there was quite a few kind of articles that maybe i do have in a white dwarf maybe i haven't i think some of them might be from the weekly white dwarf so i might not have those but i thought yeah I like this something I could definitely. It's a real good kind of coffee table read if you have that for a, if you can have such a thing for a war game. Um, I can imagine having it uh, not with my toddler around at the moment, but let's we pretend I live in a utopia where I don't have a six-month-old puppy and a eighteen-month-old um, that would trash anything that I left on a coffee table. But I can imagine it sitting there on a coffee table and sitting down having a cup of tea, just grabbing the book and reading one of the articles because it's that kind of thing. 
kind of comforting nostalgia most of it it's really cool what about your own first impressions i know you've kind of made some comments when when you were just sort of talking about what it was but um what were your initial impressions of it well being trail by although i didn't say anything on a, a public space initially i was i was very much uh oh i don't know i don't necessarily think it's for me i don't know what i'd get from it um i might pass it by and it has surprised me i think there is a degree of nostalgia in there um because despite i'm possibly not as old as some people um (laughs) i was around for when they released you're old enough for this game (laughs) well yeah yeah um I was, yeah, I was around uh, playing, predominantly, I'll say uh, 40k. I mean, how, how old was I? I was 15 when uh, uh, the game started looking like it was going to come out, and uh, I remember it coming out. I remember the white dwarf because at the time I was still an avid collector of white dwarf. Um, I remember the very first one, the orcs attack. I remember when the, the sort of the the bubble started to build for the game, and it. it it became huge, didn't it? Um, yes. You said yourself you weren't really around at that time, were you? You found drinking in time. university and women. <laughs> yes. Um, whereas I wasn't old enough for at least two or three. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I remember this. So there is a degree of um, a bit of nostalgia, and you know, I can still smell the thug of Games Workshop when I think about this. So it's. it's uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the whole thing. I think the thing that struck me most about the whole thing is, is it has been very well thought out. I mean, I know we shouldn't say that. I know it, it, that should be, you know, obvious because we are very lucky as a community. I think in the Middle Earth community, we do have a, an incredibly well thought out um, game system to play. Mm. Anyone who plays any of the other games will realise that. Um, this is a lot better um, balanced as a game system. It's the changes that are made seem to be a lot more considered, and the same is true for a lot of the releases and the models that get brought out. And this is no exception to that. And it's 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 been a really nice thing to read through. I've really enjoyed it. Genuinely enjoyed it. Probably more so than I have a lot of the books I've picked up for, even within this game system. Yeah, it's, it's got a nice feel to it. It's, 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 feel good. it's an entertainment feel to it, hasn't it? It's like a light-hearted, a kind of, it's providing you with some light relief kind of thing rather than thinking, you're not thinking about lists and things. It's all contained there, really, isn't it? It's, it's all narrative. It's pretty much narrative stuff or or hobby um, or reading about someone else playing the game. If it's, if it's a battle report, it's definitely sort of narrative-centric rather than a, a match-play focus Ooh, that you might centric. get from an army book. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were talking about the... It being well put together, and it, I, I imagine that you'll be there'll be two schools of thought on it. There'll be people that think books like this are kind of you know, I won't name the person, but someone said to me something like, "It's kind of it could be a lazy publication where you just you just picking some some digital files out from previous editions and and sticking it together." And then the opposite side of the argument all gonna is going to be, "Well, yes, they have, but how long do they decide? You know, how long do they talk about which things to put in, and how many how long do they?" agonize over what was the right balance of stuff and my impression of it is that they have spent some some serious amount of time 
making sure that what's in there is really interesting and is balanced and um, it gives a, a good entertaining book that we've just been describing um, rather than the, the former, which is which I don't think was the case, which would be, well, I'll pick these five scenarios and these five battle reports and stick them in a book, skin them with a, this, the same front than you get on our other books and we'll we'll make some money out of it i don't think it was that i think there was some love put into this and that for me that comes across but those who don't like the book yeah. will interpret it in their own way it's going to be subjective because you're either going to like the contents you're either going to like what's been selected or you're going to go well i would have picked this part of report and i would have put this one um and it's just going to be the way it is isn't it it's it definitely going to be subjective it's not like a, a rule set so to speak where um you need the rules to play the game you don't you don't need this this is very much a, a, a like to have shall we shall we talk about the contents then um so i've made some a little bit of notes about it so so people that haven't picked up the book and want to know what's in it um you can i think you can view the the contents page anyway on the the Warcom article i think that's shared in there um but if i break it down a little bit there are some battle reports which won't surprise anyone um i think there are four main ones and five if you include the battle company's campaign so the main ones are the first one, which is, is Orcs Attack, um, which we're both fans of. This Is this, I don't know if it's the first ever battle report or something, but it feels like it. As it I like remember it, it might, if uh, anyone who knows better wants to uh, tell us otherwise, then please do. But I, as far as I'm aware, this was the first one that was featured. It feels like it because it's written in a narrative form rather than so-and-so moved this and did that. Um it's written in a narrative form with little boxes that says that in in strategy battle game the player needs to do this to this. It almost feels like there's a sort of subplot of explaining the rules a little bit, but the um, the, the before the game and the after game write ups are very much of the era, um, the early two thousands era of White Dwarf anyway, and it's brilliant because it's Alessio and Rick Priestley and and I forgot from reading Rick's um, introduction to the game just reminded me of of all the White Dwarfs I read as a kid and the way he writes. And I forgot completely forgotten the way he wrote in those things um very sort of cheeky kind of i wanted to do this nasty trick and i i giggled like a goblin or whatever he said it's just his style of writing it made me chuckle took me back a few years so it has that one orcs attack really really good then it has flight to freedom which is thorin's company um versus goblin town which i again it's um it's fleeing um in Goblin Town, massive using the massive, massive Goblin Town board they had at the, the time. I'm guessing that was from release era as well for Escape to Escape from Goblin Town. Um, whether I can't remember if that was a weekly white dwarf or, at that stage or not, but it's a really, really good battle report. It's initially quite jarring because the the internal pages you've got this really old style white dwarf, then you flick it to this modern kind of the modern font style that they used in in the white dwarf at, at that time, but the content is brilliant. Um, and then it's Battle for Erebor, isn't it? It's Iron Hills versus Azog's Legion, um, which yes. oh, I think we personally will find interesting because we've both got Iron Hills armies and I've got Azog's Legion half done as well. So there's there's some natural interest there. Um, and then he's got the massive and fairly recent Pelennor Fields battle as well, which came out, I think, just before the box released, maybe the new box, or just before, just after. And then, as I said, at number five, there is a battle company's campaign in um, sort of report included in there. So four-stroke five battle reportish kind of things. Um, I still think Orcs Attack, from nostalgic kind of feel, has got my... Um, 
got my vote of my favourite so far, but I haven't read the others and I am looking forward to them. They're all really big kind of narrative battles that I'm interested to read, which I think which I think are good picks. Yeah. They get bigger as they go as well. They've scaled that quite nicely. Yes. I, I've, like yourself, I've, there's a nostalgic feel. And you can see the way the painting slightly changed um, Yes, as they go along. Uh, I love the painting on the original stuff. But I think my favourite is actually the Flight to Freedom because I love the photography in it. It's really it looks well done, wasn't it? beautiful. Really, really well done. Um, I don't know who was a photographer, White Dwarf at that time. I think it might have changed now. Looking at looking at the side, but um, yeah, I, I, it's it, that the table looks incredible. Um, and it's and the paint it's, job on that Thorin's company is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, well, it's Adam Troke and I forget the other. Is it Dan Harden? He still works on White Dwarf now, I believe. I'm just um, guessing at the name a little bit. I've got it in front of me, so I don't know why I'm not flicking to it. I'm sitting there looking at the contents page of my uh, my digital copy. And I don't think they actually it. mentioned his surname. They just referred to them as... Uh, ah, well, yeah. there you go. There you go. Um, but, yeah, it's absolutely stunning um, battle report, and the photography is amazing. Um, so really, really good battle reports. Um, and if you don't have those White Dwarfs as well... Well, it's a really good way of, if you like reading battle reports and you don't have those white doors. So I know a lot, this will be probably something for the conclusion, but I'll, as, we're, as we're there now, I'll, I'll mention it. There'll be a lot of people who haven't been buying White Dwarf because it doesn't have enough content for the games they play. Well, then I think that makes this book, you know, even more, you know, even more worth just having a little look just before you decide not to buy it if you weren't going to. Um, and then we've got some scenarios, haven't we? And uh, my count, and I might have got this wrong, is that there were 10 kind of standard ones, but there were two more included in um, some rules as well. There's two more that came with raw, raw, extra rules. So I think the ones that came with extra rules were there was a, a attack oh no actually no where are the rules river assault rules there was a scenario with that and and there's war on the long lake special rules for playing on lake town and i think there's a scenario in there kind of built in so it's like a whole Did article you with extra rules include the orc attack one as well because the scenario is in there oh, well. included there we go so then yeah. then there will be potentially 13 because you could do the orc attack because it's got the rules in. so there's there's kind of articles that that appear to be one thing but then you have like a scenario in it but there are some just scenario things and i think there's you can include um some that are designed to be just sort of scenarios for you to play and they are uh, there's nine or ten or ten of those i think so there's pelinors in there that's included in the, ah, actually that's included in the article isn't it um there's some battle companies one as part of a five there's five of them in there actually i'm included it as one but it's five as part of a narrative campaign there's a gandalf and the cart one which is a fun one pager i think it's a fatty bulges great escape, which is a fun one pager. Um, Hunt for Gollum as well, which is like a, a fun one or two pages. So there's like they're older ones, aren't they? I think Adam Troke wrote the Gandalf and the Fatty Bulger ones, and it might have been Matt Ward that did the Hunt for Gollum. But they're cool, and they clearly can be used with with the modern rules. And I think that they've picked scenarios that are useful. So you don't have these scenarios you don't have the old publications you don't have the old white dwarfs um and you're looking for some different narrative gaming then you know this book's really useful for that as well um there's a couple of hobbit era ones i think the chase and the hunting party i think they're based around the scenes where um the hunter orcs on wargs are chasing thorin's company and then the elves come and kind of head them off 
Um, so I think yeah, with both, Radagast. Yeah, that's right. So I think those two scenarios are kind of linked in, in a narrative sense. Um, and then there's two more Hobbit ones. So there's an attack on Ross Gobel and exploration of Dolgadur. So again, I really want to play that. It looks the, good. Particularly the exploration. And I want that Radagast model. It's beautiful. It looks cool, doesn't it? Very, really cool. So I really like the scenarios and Dan and I have been talking a lot about narrative gaming. It's something that we're going to... I imagine if we didn't live, what, 100-odd miles apart, that we would probably be, be doing a lot of narrative gaming anyway. Um, and we've talked about was in the previous segment that get, we're going to start trying to do some online gaming, especially over this winter when we can't get together. Um, and we're going to focus on doing some, some, some smaller narrative games that don't need too many models. Well, things like Gandalf on cart, not only would it give me an excuse to buy it, but... Um, that's the kind of thing we could play with a with a camera, isn't it? Um, Fatty Bulger's Escape, a bit of fun. Um, we might even get a short game like that in with with Sam before his bedtime. Um, <laughs> uh, there's lots of fun there, and I think if we one evening when we're sitting and we're just sort of chatting and painting, sometimes it'd be a case of well, we just set up a small board or you set up a small board, set a camera up, and I can see us managing to play these games remotely. Um, and it could be could be good fun. Um, so what else, what else is there? So I mentioned there's some rules. There was some river assault rules, which is it's like rules for using um, like um, boats, not boats and rafts and things, and them attacking from from river edges and things, which could be good if you're playing uh, Elsgulius type scenario. Um, and there's some extra rules in that. There's a scenario in that as well. And there's a war on the Long Lake, and there's loads of little extra rules for if you're playing on a Lake Town theme board. So there's lots of little extra special rules to make the the game again it's probably best for narrative games this but make make things sort of stand out a little bit better and a little bit more themed um there's a gandalf versus barog mini game um which is played with miniatures on a small small table but has a completely self-contained set of rules so it's not using the profiles and things as it and that's by matt ward as well i think but that looks fun that might be something that Dan and I have to record as a special death match, I think, because it looks like it could be something that might work audio, or maybe we just record it as a as a little uh, web based thing and stick it up on the on the YouTube channel. But that could be cool. There's tons of that stuff in here. There's, you know, I know you mentioned earlier about people assuming it was lazy publishing. I think this is a lazy way of us pinching loads of cool stuff to do on deathmatch and uh, <laughs> yeah, do on the youtube or um covering the the podcast because this it's a wealth of narrative it is narrative really yeah. um it's, it's a gold mine there's so much cool stuff in here i like, i really like that mini game that's gonna i can see that i've got a gandalf painted i've got a balrog not but oh, we were talking offline just in between sort of recording sections of the show and i was thinking you know we know if there's no throne of skulls i might paint my balrog because it might be need there may be that scenario or being quested a ring bearer um but then looking at this we could you know i've got that video card now i can i could record it we could play it live so to speak but not live live um and i can edit it and maybe we stick it out as a video it might be something that you got let us know if you'd like to see us put that out as a youtube like a as a video death match and rather than just us rolling the dice with the models and base to base we could actually play that mini game um let us know or maybe there'll be a, a scenario similar to that in in quest of the ring bearer and we can do both 
maybe it'll work. Maybe we can kind of compare the mini game versus the using the strategy battle game rule style. So let us know if you'd be interested in watching some videos like that. And Dan will be happy, especially if I'm pointing the camera at a table. He can just we can just talk like on the podcast. We don't actually have to be have our faces on camera. Might get Dan to to be on the YouTube channel as well then. But uh. <laughs> well, I did I did start recording some stuff, and now I've actually got a phone that's not a potato. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it coincided with me going back to work, so time is now an issue, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we will get there. Absolutely. So and what else? there's a couple of what I'd call miscellaneous art courses, the Big Armies of Middle Earth, which is kind of an overview thing. I think that came out around the start of the, the, the edition, and the Magic of Middle Earth, um, which is nice as well. If you're really kind of... That's worth it for the White Council photo. Yes. I don't care about anything else in the article. It's literally my favourite photo they've ever done of of anything Middle-earth. It's beautiful. If you're a really experienced player, those two articles might not be as much to you as as others, but I still think they're lovely articles and um, and they are from more modern publications. Um, uh, Oh, there's a Mumuk versus Balrog um, deathmatch, isn't it? I think you even called it a deathmatch as well. And that's just this tiny one-page article from from way back when. I don't know what year it was, but it looks uh, sort of early two thousands. Um, and um, I'm trying to remember who it was. It's uh, who's who were the people playing that? Ah, oh, find the page. Frantically flicking the through. Big, the bigger they are, that's what it is. Yeah, it's Paul Rudge, isn't it? Paul Rudge and Rick Turner. They just have a, a fun. A fun, it's a battle report actually, and they just have a fun matchup between a mummock and the Balrog. <laughs> so, again, it's just these are some of the things that when I was flicking through it that first evening, you just didn't expect to see. You're just thinking, well, they've put in some things that are a little bit different in there. It, did, it takes up one page if you don't like it. Well, it's taken up one page out of what 126, maybe more. It's a decent book, decent sized book, yeah. 128 like with the, the covers and stuff so it's it's not it's not a you know it's not a, like an 80 pager it's, it's got a, it's got a good whack in there so you're saying you quite like uh yeah the, the, as much as it's war of the ring and unfortunately i was staff at the time so i developed quite a let's put it a negative view of that game um <laughs> it was a nightmare to try and do anything with especially trying to do an intro game for that i was gonna imagine it didn't work well in store yeah no trying to do trying to do intro against war of the ring was, yeah but there's many times um, I've been watching Warhammer TV bits and pieces where there's been talk about Nick Baton's Nazgul. They've been referred to numerous times, but I'd never seen them. And it's actually, it was at one point quite difficult to try and find them. I did look on, you know, uh, Warhammer community and I did look on uh, just Googling it, but not a lot came. And they're all in there, all showcased. All of them are really, really nice. Yeah. And- I- I'm, a fan I'm quite them. impressed the guy doesn't have an airbrush as well. Since this, <laughs> um, the membranes on the um, the wings are pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm impressed. I didn't. I, I heard him talk about them before. I'm sure I have on on a stream or something. And but I hadn't seen this article before, and um, it's down as one of my one of my favourites in the book. So yeah, it's a War of the Ring article, but it's it is, but it isn't really. It's it's more about the the painting and the modelling of them. They're obviously they're finished pictures of them, and it's not a kind of a um, stage by step by step, but to have all nine mounted and converted like that is a it's a really cool project and lovely to see in the team. The what I really love about it as well as it mentions all paint names because I I have to admit I still talk 
GW paint names because I moved on to other paint companies in the time yeah. they switched over. So people talk about the new paint colors to me, which are obviously the same as the old paint colors, but yeah. with a different name. And I'm like, sorry, what? I'm I'm not good on GW paint names, not for the main part of the range. I'm good with all the technical and I use the contrast and washes and all these things. But in terms of the your standard sort of layer and, and base paints and things, I, I don't use very many of them at all. So, yeah, when people are talking in GW paints now, I'm like, uh. <laughs> I use the skins. Uh, their skin colors are still some of the best ones. For, uh, I still believe that. Um, and I spent ages trying to tell people how to use um, Elf Flesh. Yeah, doesn't exist. It's kids left flesh now. But <laughs> I, I actually really like the paint range, and like many people, I don't like the pots. Um, I yeah, know, I, I just, get sick I of be picking to, to bits of them. The few I have decanted, it's it's amazing. They suddenly last, so it's nothing to do with the paint. Um, but that it takes too much. I'm lazy. It takes far too much work to keep the pot lids in good enough condition that you always have a perfect seal. Um, so. Not that they'll change it, but I'd love to see them in dropper bottles. But that was not, I can I totally understand why they don't want that because that doesn't help when you've got young kids and you want them, to, even though they're told to use a palette, you, you kind of want them dipping their paint, don't you, in the lid and stuff. And it's kind of like, uh, but dropper bottles. I don't mind the washes being in the pots, but um, for the normal paints, if they were in dropper bottles, I would probably be using them maybe instead of a layer because I do think the paints are good enough. Because, um, as I said, as soon as you decant them into something else. Anyway, that was a massive tangent. When let's not go down that rabbit Maybe hole. we shall cover it one day. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. A tangent on alternative, alternative paint ranges. If that interests you, let's know. Um, but yeah, I agree. I love that article. Um, I've got that. There's a there's a couple of painting articles in there. That's one of them. And then you've got um, a couple of modern ones. So painting the painting guides for the plastic Thaden and the plastic Gandalf and Pippin. So the new ones, the Gandalf the White and Pippin. Um, and that's it, I think, as far as I'm aware. I think there's those three painting articles. Um, and then there's one terrain building article, which is awesome. It's like building model terrain and board, which is really, really cool. Um, so they're all good, all useful. Um, and I think we've covered it there. I think we've pretty much ever mentioned everything that's in the book. Um, I don't think I've missed anything there. Um, I made some notes on it, but I think I've, I've covered all the stuff in my notes, but I may have missed something off. What's that thing there, the Brown Wizards? Have I missed anything off? Articles? Oh, yeah, I've mentioned it already. That's uh, extra rules and stuff on, on Radagast. So, not in great detail, but there's 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 a there's a good chunk there, isn't there? There's um, I think there's more than your money's worth. Yes, from a sceptic, I will say, actually, I was very pleasantly surprised and, and converted. And I very much was a sceptic coming into it, and I am incredibly impressed with it. Yeah, 21 articles, I think, if you just clue the chat, the introduction bit, I think there's 21 articles in there um, of varying lengths. And then, like I said, some of those articles are uh, some rules and then a scenario embedded within it. So in, in terms of the interactive nature of it rather than just reading stuff there's a lot of narrative based scenario stuff and, and and like i said before if you're newer to the game or someone that doesn't keep older editions etc etc and you might not have loads and loads and loads of old narrative scenarios then these give a nice little selection especially if you're someone that's got all the newer publications and you've done the narrative ones and you want some more kind of fun kind of out there ones then this provides it um 
again, if you've got every single white dwarf and you've got a massive collection of older stuff and this just isn't for you, I get it. But I imagine if you have got all those books and you might be like me and actually want to, <laughs> want to own it for the, the kind of completion sort of side of things, really. Um, so what about your, what your expectations? Have they been met or they've been surpassed? I think we've covered that a little bit already. But... Uh, vastly exceeded. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I, you know, as I said, I came in as a skeptic and have uh, gone away quite a quite a fan. I, I I knew that I wanted it and I knew I'd like it, so I was never going to be there. I'm not going to enjoy this. Um, I was worried that there would be too much stuff that I felt that I'd only read recently. Um, without going, I didn't go back and look at my, the last sort of year or two White Dwarfs to see what was in there and have a guess. I didn't bother, but I did worry that it was going to be too much stuff just from the last couple of years because um, I, I like the nostalgia thing as well and I was like I said I was that first flick through I just thought brilliant there's a real mix in here um, just from the headlines that I'm looking at these thinking oh I want to read that battle report I can't remember what happened to that I know I've read it but I can't remember and I like it all in one book in that sense so yeah expectations probably exceeded slightly um, and then what was your f- favourite bits um, I think we've talked about those a little bit but if you had to pick a favourite article or favourite two articles what would you say Oh, I'm not sure I could get it even down to two I I've, I love Nick's Nazgul yeah. very very much a fan of that I really love the uh, Goblin Town battle report because it's just beautiful and on a side note I want to know is Dan really short or is Adam <laughs> just an absolute giant because <laughs> there's a picture of the two at the end shaking hands uh, till battle's end, and Adam just towers over him. <laughs> I'm sure, it's not done with just, false perspective or something. One's really close and one's really far away. It, yeah. it could be, it could be. And then I'd actually say the Brown Wizard um, scenarios—they look like immense amounts of fun. Although one of us, if we do it, you have to paint those bloody spiders. And I have to say, I think. I, I'm not a big fan of spiders. I think they're gross. I mean, they're beautiful sculpts, but they're just gross. I really don't want to have to paint them. I'd love them. I don't, can you get them at the moment? Aren't they, aren't they rocking? I might be wrong, actually. I haven't even checked. I would probably need to. I've got the impression but... that they are not available at the moment because I've seen people using alternatives. Um, oh, we'll just have to do the second scenario then. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, I want to get them. I mean, I've got Shaylob ready to paint. I'd love to get some. And I'm planning on doing a Merc- Merkwood board at the moment. I've been picking up trees and things for that as an extra table for, for events and things. So I, I, I'm all up for buying some spiders and getting them painted because, you know, for me, that would be a quick project. Um, and then they're just really fun for narrative stuff. But I, I really don't for dog order, know but whether they would be available. Um, I'm trying to think what army list they're going to be under on the website as well. Were they a hobby release? Order, probably. The only thing you can get on Dogador on on GW page uh, yeah. at the moment, so um, so I'm not sure whether they come under something else. Dark Denizens of Merkwood, that sounds like it should be. Um, up, just it's just temporarily out of stock at the moment, so that was, that's they will be back. I didn't know whether they're long term out or not in the line, but they're just out of stock, so that's not a case of waiting too long. Um, yeah, so I'd be up for grabbing some of those and doing that scenario in fact i'm up for doing a lot of those scenarios and um if this is going to be a bit of a a winter of discontent <laughs> where we can't yeah. get to events and things when things are a little bit kind of up in the air um i'm very much up for putting that video card to use and doing quite a lot of um 
smaller board base scenarios and things. Even though I can fit a four by four in here, but even if it's even smaller, the better. I'm trying some stuff out, and we can talk about it on the show as well. So I'm up for trying lots of narrative gaming over the interwebs um and not just be not just be you if anyone else is listening to the show that, that wants to try something like that out, let's let's do it that should be fun we'll book a time in and uh, give it a go um but um yeah i want i really really enthused to do some narrative gaming at the moment and i think that when um the best of white dwarf comes out that sorry when the the quest of the ring bearer comes out i'll see where white dwarf is out that's what we're talking about um i've got a feeling that that's only going to become even more and more um you know, in my mind, especially if, if we're not looking at Throne of Skulls this year, and I can, I can push back that board building and stuff to the to next year and spend next, you know, spend twenty twenty one building that. Then this this winter's projects might be doing little painting while while slowly slogging away on on Helm's Deep stuff, in between just chipping away at um, models needed for some some of these fun scenarios because I think we'll have loads of fun. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say this. I'm- Maximizing guard for for a Helm's Deep thing. I've said it now, so I've got to do it. <laughs> so it's recorded. It's done. Um, but I do like the idea, like yourself, doing some um, smaller narrative scenarios, little things I can chip away at. Because yeah. if I'm going to end up buying a blooming Isengard army, then I'm going to need to have some things I can do that are smaller and cheaper and easier to paint. Yeah, it's exactly. It's all. I think doing an Isengard army is is cool. Not only because it benefits us it's something you were thinking about doing anyway so it's just one of those win-wins isn't it gives you a well, revisiting an old love i did have some once upon a time i'm really looking forward to to painting the stuff i've got um once i've done that done, done the rohan so I, i'm not going to pause on those army projects completely they might just be well in between that unit and the next one i'm gonna gonna paint the fellowship or some of the fellowship i think we you know talked about in the last segment and maybe even decided off there in between these two that um once I finish the finished Haldir and the command guys from the Gladrim, I'm going to paint um, um, the four hobbits and um, and Aragorn. So that should there be a really cool new weathertop scenario, once I've got my scenery, then you know, I'll have all the stuff to play it. Um, so yeah, uh, before we move on, then um, is there anything in the book that you would have liked to have seen that's not there, or is there anything in there you think that it wasn't really needed? Well, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I don't know what was released for Middle Earth in pretty much the last decade for White Dwarf. Yeah. Bought one. In fact, uh, I bought my first White Dwarf the other week uh, in literally that amount of time. Uh, so, yeah, not a clue. Unfortunately, I'm the wrong person to ask on that one because I came. Yeah, no, in, 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 maybe not in terms of, of a, an exact example like for this i would have wanted this article from this white dwarf in there do you feel that the balance was right did you feel that you wanted more of some some style of thing or less of something well if you were to take this book on its own not knowing what's immediate on the horizon something more fellowship related would have made sense mm-hmm. but then you've got quest of the ring bearer coming yeah so that people obviously on the other side of that coin going well why have you just given me scenarios for the same thing in two different books I'm having to pay for. Yeah, yeah. So I get that. Um, but if we didn't know Quest of the Barrel was coming, and if it wasn't, for instance, coming from maybe another year, say, then something fellowship-related or, you know, a, a proper scenario for Thorin's company, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe sense. something like that would have been, um, you know, a fun mini-game for, you know, Barrels Out of Bond or... 
Yeah, I don't know if I did one. I wonder if there was one. Someone, someone, let us know. I need to go back and really go through my white dwarfs and and have a look. I think I found something online that does catalogue all of the the white dwarfs and what they have in them for Lord of the Rings. I've got it saved in my Dropbox or something. But as you imagine, it's quite a dry read. Uh, so I've got. I think I found it and thought that would be useful, but I haven't really flicked through and, and looked at the articles. But um, from my own perspective, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I don't like I would take out. So without making the book bigger, it would be hard to have anything else in there. The only thing I would say, I would have probably like one more terrain thing. So there's one, there's a big article, it's a really cool one about Mordor, but I'd have, if there is, I don't know if there was anything else suitable, but I, I, I'm going to make a guess well, that there might have I been in the history of White Some of it's covered in the books, isn't it? Yeah, it may well have been. And there may be really there's no, there's the supplements you've got, like making Shire houses in. Yeah, well, that's the. Scaring you, the Shire. You definitely wouldn't so. put that in there. You'd probably be looking at older stuff again. Maybe there really wasn't anything suitable that's not been covered in the previous best ofs and things. But just yeah. looking at the overall balance of it, I would have loved to see just one more terrain based thing, even if it's a short one, like a two pager or one pager, just something else a bit cool and fun. But. But as I said, that's me kind of trying to think of something to put in. I wouldn't want to take anything out for it. I wouldn't want, you know, if I said, okay, there is a terrain building one, another four pages, but you've got to take four pages out. What do you take out? I, I, I wouldn't want to lose all those fun little one pages because I think that would change the balance of the whole thing completely. And half of the fun is flicking through and going, oh, that's just one page, but isn't it fun? Well, that's just random. It's cool. Gives it a magazine feel to it as well. So, um, but yeah, that's not a proper criticism. That's just a, you know, well, there's only one terrain building thing. I would have loved to have seen one more, but whether that's right at this time, I don't know. I imagine if this book was done in another year or two, then you might have seen some of the Rohan buildings or something in there, but it's just too soon for those, like you said, because I've already mentioned in the current stock of army books. Um, yeah, so conclusions for me is um, watch, you know, if that piques your interest, go and have a look at a little video if you haven't already. You'll get an idea of what it looks like inside from what's there. And if you haven't, bought those white dwarfs you don't have them because you're not someone that normally bought buys white dwarfs so maybe consider going picking up the book i'd say buy it anyway you know support uh support the team and do it but i totally understand why some people wouldn't buy it it's not necessary um to play the game at all it is very much an extra um it's the only thing that's that's got rule not got rules in it that you need for match play if you go to events and stuff all the other books have a use in that sense so i totally get it but i'd still say it's great fun and a nice little um a nice little extra publication before uh, the bigger one comes out and just before we we head over to um a death match let's talk about the aim of sculpt briefly um i don't know what your your thoughts of the model were dan are you have you had chance to look i know you haven't bought it have you so have you had chance no. to see you and you know anyone that's bought it you had a chance to have it in hand or you can just talk no i did talk to um to ben uh ben taylor my uh local compatriot for middle earth uh because his Rohan army is technically for his son, uh, <laughs> he hasn't bought it yet because his son's not willing to part with the cash at the second for it. <laughs> He's like, I'll get it later. So um, Ben's desperate to paint him, and I'm desperate to see him. Uh, I don't even want to start going down that road of getting like him because then I'll have a Rohan army and I'll have no money. So <laughs> I'm waiting, but for everything I've seen of him so far... Um, he is such a beautiful sculptor. I know that there are the detractors that people say he's a bit short or, you know, I've seen a few people say he's a bit fat looking or whatever, you know, if only we could all look as, as, as buff as him. 
Uh, I certainly can't, especially after my furlough wait. Uh, I think it's a great looking model. I like the way it's been painted. Um, from obviously, I looked at your unboxing. I looked at the sprue. It's you know quite typical fare for modern sculpting, which is a good thing because it's all very good. Yes. So um, yeah, I mean, I, it's very difficult for me because I've not actually laid hands on him or seen him in the flesh uh, on the plastic, but. Yeah. I can only be impressed, and, and let's be honest, um, highly detailed, arguably more so than any of the other game systems at the moment. I mean, he is beautiful by any stretch of the imagination as a, as a sculpt. You know, multi-part plastic models for Middle-earth is a wonderful thing, and hopefully we'll get many more. Yeah, he, he holds up. I mean, I pulled the sprout again then, and if you can hear me rustling in the box then, I apologise, but... Um... It's 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 obviously right up there with any of the, the the current plastic sculpts. I wouldn't say it's any better or any worse than any of them. That's going to be entirely subjective. The actual quality of the sculpt is the same as the others. Aesthetically, if you think it doesn't look like him or does look like him, that's going to be debatable. But I don't think it affects the quality of the sculpt. I probably wouldn't have given any thought to whether he's short or tall or, or fat or thin unless people were talking about it when people do i can see that i can see why people might say that I, for me it's not if that is the case it's not so much that it bothers me in the slightest i really disliked the other metal aimer sculpt everyone knows i'm working on rohan right now and um, i deliberately didn't purchase that model just hoping this was going to happen and i bought that rohan stuff probably at least 10 months ago now so i've been sitting on it for a long time um and i just thought they've got to replace it they've got to replace it and then it got to the point where i thought well maybe they wouldn't especially because i thought uh, you know i i thought they would have brought out a new um um aragorn lsr king model or something from return of the king era as a plastic sculpt for mounted as well so the lsr model uh, i thought that would be a given with the gandalf and things and they didn't and as the time went on i thought well when they just, just haven't got the time some models they won't and um, maybe that's the same with aima but uh yeah well when we found out he was coming out i think everyone was very very happy with it because the old sculpt is very much showing its age it doesn't hasn't aged like some of the things have so he's perfect really um i'm looking forward to getting him done it's going to be a while probably before i get around to doing him um it's going to be a long time after my initial defenders kind of part so it'll be as part of the relief force i paint him um but the plan is um once i've got him once i've got him painted um for the relief force of it on the, the the army i'm going to concentrate on playing for a few months is going to be the AMA legendary legion anyway and um, everyone runs the thalen one so i thought I'd look at running the AMA one i like the idea of i love that kind of the white model as well so that's going to be something i if events open up next year that might be what i what i take to events and things for a short period so look really looking forward to to um to getting it worked on um so, but with that in mind, as a perfect segue, let's um, head over to uh, um, the latest deathmatch, which may or may not feature Aoma. Hello and welcome to another heroic deathmatch. So last episode we talked about this kind of this non-linked but slightly linked mini mini series of three deathmatches that kind of narratively go together. And uh, having followed the the the, the film with Uglock D deheading beheading um, Snagger in the last show, today we have 
Aymer and Ugluck. Um, we thought that, I think that narratively goes next, doesn't it, from what we're doing? I haven't messed it up. So uh, I think we know how that one goes as well. But um, Dan, who are you using today? It'll come as no surprise to anyone I am rolling with Ugluck this time. So hopefully he <laughs> provides me the same level of luck he provided you. Yeah, he may do. May do. I'll have to send you my dice and you'll be, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I even got my special dice out. Um, to those who may be unaware, there was a, a charity uh, set of dice that were created by um, or in aid of Macmillan Cancer Support. They were they basically whack. It's War Gamers Against All Cancer. And they did some dice. So I bought those, my whack dice. I even brought those out and no, no sixes. They let me down. <laughs> But uh, I'm somewhat in love with those dice. I, I do love them, and I, I love what they stand for. It was a, a really nice thing to do for you know charity in a hobby way. So I don't know if they're still doing them. I hope, hope they'll do I some think more. I've got a T-shirt somewhere, actually. That's from a few years back, though. I might, I might have a while on them. But to be fair, we know we they 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 might have just. But you only it was only one round last time, wasn't it? So maybe they just just needed a bit of warming up. Um, <laughs> well, they've been cold in the, in the dice bag for a little while. Uh, COVID <laughs> seen to that, so hopefully they won't have better luck this time. So I, obviously we went through Ugluck's profile in the last episode, but just in case anyone hasn't heard that one, Dan, you just want to take us through Ugluck again for us? Of course. So he is Ugluck. He is an Uruk High. He's got the Isengard keyword. He's an infantry hero of fortitude. He's a captain in Lurtz's raiding force. Ugluk takes command of the Urukai scouts after the ambush at Amon Head, driving his warriors and their hobbit prisoners onwards towards Isengard. Unflinching obedience to Saruman's orders is all that drives Ugluk onwards, and when Grishnak Zorks threaten his prisoners, Ugluk is swift to act, restoring order and loyalty within the ranks with a single sweep of his blade, as well evidenced last episode. Um, so he has armor and a sword. His heroic actions are March, Strike, and Strength, and his special rules are Head Taker. Any who defy the orders of the White Hand will meet a grisly fate. Should Ugluk's force be broken, Ugluk can choose to kill a nearby model instead of taking a courage test. Simply choose a friendly warrior within two inches of Ugluk and remove it as a casualty. Furthermore, in a turn that Ugluk does this, he will automatically pass his courage test, and his stand fast has a range of 12 inches and affects both warrior and hero models. So, again, not useful in this particular instance, but it's a pretty awesome rule in general. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's worth his points, definitely. Very much so. Very, very much so. Right then, so he's up against Aemer, Marshal of the Riddermark, um, who's 100 points. Um, man, Rohan, infantry, hero of Valor. So Aemer is the nephew of Theoden and one of Rohan's foremost warriors, exiled under the command of Grimer Wormtum. Aemer returns to the aid of his king at the Siege of Helm's Deep. However, it is amidst the carnage of the Pelennor that Aemer truly makes his name. Following the death of Theoden and the presumed death of Eowyn, Aemer fights like a man possessed, slaying orcs, Haradrim and Mumakil to avenge those who have fallen. So he has move 6, fight 5, 4, strength 4, defence 6, attacks 3, wounds 3, courage 5, and he's 3, 3, 3 on might, will and fate. He comes with heavy armour and a sword, and heroic strike and heroic strength. So we're... Uh, Fairly, fairly good heroics, fairly useful heroic actions there. Um, he can take an armoured horse, he can take a horse, he can take a shield and throw in spills as extras. We you know, we won't be taking those in this matchup today. His special rules, 
Um, not really useful in the in the in the little matchup we have either. But he has expert rider, he has horse lord, and he has something called the price of grief, which is his own special role. And basically, if he's on the table and Theoden or Eowyn or both of them um, die, he gets plus one to wound um, for the rest of the game, and he must charge if he's able to. So nice and thematic little, little special rule there based around um how distraught he was when i think when he when he finds them um, dead or presumed dead on the on the battlefield so what are your projections dan is ugluck going to um do for you what he did for me was he going to fall foul of um AMA? well uh, in traditional style <laughs> for myself uh with my fight four uh sorry fight five four plus uh that leaves me at somewhat of a disadvantage or i can strike up um, strength and defense five isn't too bad. Strength five, particularly, will give me some advantage, I suppose. Um, whereas Snagger would have really struggled against Aimer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's going to be the three, three, three for the for the biggins for might, will, and fate. That's going to be the uh, the interesting side on that one because I can pile the hurt on, but you've got the fate to absorb it. So we're going to see where that goes. I think. Yeah. Well, we both we both fight five. We both need fives, don't we? To to wound um, we do so that that bit's fairly even we're both three might i think the the obviously the extra attack dice is going to be going to be big for for Emma, and then he's got two more fate they're they're the key differences as well and and that's where your extra points have been spent so um that's that's the thing that's going to make the biggest difference if they if they uh go to profile so to speak then um yeah ugg luck sh- should probably be in trouble right then shall we get started we shall. So are you so, striking? Yeah, I'm going to strike. Yeah, I'm going to strike up. Are you? Yes. Um, as we always do. Got, let's see uh, one as we, as we of course do. I've rolled so a six. six. <laughs> uh, of course you rolled a six. <laughs> uh, well, the Rohan dice seem to be just as good as the Isengard dice and just You're as good as the one ring dice. All the time. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Let's go for it. That's for the jaw. Um, Four and a three, and I've, another six. I have dude. a six. Who'd have it? <laughs> I know. What a surprise! Right then. So, striking, needing fives. Um, I have two, and yeah, I have two. I have a six, right. a five, and a two. which I do make this time on a six. My first six, I think, since we've actually started uh, doing this. So, uh, <laughs> I have used my point of fate and prevented him from taking two wounds, but he has taken a single wound. So we do on to a second round of combat. Right then, are you I'm going to use strike, it? of course. <laughs> ah, five. five. So we roll fight. Oh yeah, Ooh, yeah, you've got your higher fight than me, so I'm going to roll a two. So, come on, you sixes. Ooh, I'm five high. And a six. You've got it. <laughs> oh, finally. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to need that five plus. So I've got one. I'm going to use my last point of might to put it to Make two. It two. So right. I'll two roll. strikes on you. Roll fate first of all to get that. And there's two of them. Um, one saved. Um, will I use my last fate to try and save it? He says knocking is. I will do. Uh, no. So I've used all three of my fates and I've saved one of the wounds. So I have lost a wound down to two. Right. Oh, so on this one I've run out of might now, unfortunately. So I am going to spend my final point of might to strike up. Yeah. Well, I am high fight. Okay. That's enough. It's enough. Ooh, I've rolled a six. <laughs> oh, three and a two. Okay. You need a single five on those three dice, and I'm done. 
And he's done it. A six. A Twice. Another two. six. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ugluck is thematically cut down. It's <laughs> not like we didn't see it coming, but um, he made more of a fight of it than I expected him to. So fair play to Ugluck on that one. He did. And it just, again, it shows exactly what was what I was talking about at the beginning there, that the, the extra fate there. Um, made a big difference, I think, and then the extra attack dice each time. So rolling those extra dice, um, it's just it's big, isn't it? Makes a big difference, even when you're on single. I think you know, it might be my dice tray. You have to put it in the bin, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was fairly predictable. I don't think there's anything you know, anything wrong there. Um, I mean, some of the games when it, we've been quite even, and I'm rolling sixes, and you're not, that might be different. But you you do choose the underdog every time, so um... it's it's the fun option. It means I get uh, a moral victory if I win. <laughs> Absolutely. As well as a physical victory, but the, you get the moral victory. Yeah, um, and I like uh, to think I get the moral victory every time because I'm always choosing the underdog. <laughs> well, these are, you know, like we said, these are these are designed to be fun and a bit silly, really, and, and us to explore some profiles and talk about little little matchups that, from the films and the books, and, and that's what that's what Deathmatch is about at the moment. Who knows? In the future, it may evolve. We talked about it before. We might evolve and become more of a. Um, a serious kind of matchup and pick sort of well-matched profiles and maybe we'll start them win one inch apart like they do on um, Warcom. Um, I forgot what they call it now as well. Um, they've just released another one recently, haven't they? Oh, dear. I'm Arena not gonna, of Death, isn't I it? I think so, yeah. And they do sort of like a, the round-robin type thing. No, the, the, the um, knockout competition, don't they? So um, they're also uh, a little bit, a little bit more evenly matched up than than this. Uh, it was more, more of a little fun comp, whereas this is, this is just us messing about. But anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Um, well, if anyone can guess what the final matchup is going to be on the next episode, let us know if you think you know the answer. And we're here again at the end of a much shorter show this time. Um, we, shows are coming out sort of fairly quickly at the moment because of releases. Um, but um, I didn't want to just hold off doing the review. We thought we might as well get it out there. I know some people have um, wouldn't have bought the book yet. I, I had a I had a couple of comments today on the YouTube channel saying that I'm going to go and buy the book now, thanks to you know you doing the unboxing of it because I didn't realise what was quite in there. So hopefully that would help people make their mind up either way. Um, so we thought we might as well get it out when it's fairly current um, so forgive us getting two shows out fairly quickly those of you that have them clocking up in your uh, in your downloads and you haven't got around to it yet then uh, then sorry those of you that listen to the show straight away maybe maybe happy to see us around so quickly but you won't normally get weekly shows from us um, Danny have you got anything like to say um, anyone got a shout out today um, to do today today this episode <laughs> Uh, well, the usual. So, uh, obviously, Legion of Peterborough Wargamers. Um, I'm popping down this Friday. We've been doing the uh, socially distanced gaming. It's working quite well. Everyone's nice and safe. So, uh, yeah, head over to the Facebook group for those. That's my local group. Uh, we're all very welcoming. I would love more people to be involved in Middle Earth that way. Uh, so get more games in because I'm not getting enough. So if you fancy popping over to Peterborough, uh, get involved in the group. And if you're comfortable, uh, come down and uh, give me a game. But apart from that, uh, just you know, thank you to everyone who's put in content out. Uh, thank you to the guys who are doing the live streaming and who are part of that community. The uh, the chat's brilliant. And uh, yeah, all good. 
Fantastic, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, community based um, content out there at the moment to while away the hours if you're like me and not getting games in. But um, um, yeah, it's uh, definitely Middle Earth feels like it's very very alive at the moment, even if it's uh, via the interwebs rather than in the gaming halls. Um, so yeah, I want to thank people that have already got in touch over the last few days about the um, the Helm's Deep episode. Actually, um, we were a bit rambly at times, and we didn't know how it was going to be received. So we were all a bit nervous about putting it out, not because we, you know, we're not because we we're worried about talking about it as such, but more because we thought, well, I don't know if people are going to find it interesting. It's just us talking about how we might plan our game. Um, but we've had quite a few people. Well, I've had quite a few people sort of message me and say they really enjoyed it, including someone saying it was the, the best show we've done. I don't think that's the case <laughs> at all. I don't know which one, my which show I think is the best we've done, I won't say, but I, um, I'm not so sure it was that one. But if, if you have enjoyed it, then great. I appreciate it won't be for everyone. But with, it's nice to get comments always when people get in touch and say they've enjoyed things. Um, um, and th- yeah, thank you, Jeremy, as well. He's got in touch already. I said he would um, with some some. It's kind of, uh, yes, I agree with this point. Yes, I agree with this point. No, don't do that. And one of them, Dan, was the, yeah, don't do courage tests. Don't bother doing them for for narrative gaming. So he, uh, I could tell he was like live messaging me as he was listening to it. It's quite interesting because you can tell what part of the show he was at. He was messaging me saying, yep, agree with this. Oh, yeah, you need loads of models for this and loads of models for that. So thank you, Jeremy, for those um, tips. It'll all go in the uh, the notes I've got for when we get around to writing that full scenario. Um, and the final thing I want to shout out really is just a reminder to anyone who was coming along to Flotsam and Jetsam um, that... Uh, if you haven't, um, if you missed the last show with the announcement on and you haven't looked, been in the event group and saw the announcement or in the Facebook group for the event, um, please go and check those things out because it's not obviously it's not happening on the 3rd and 4th of October. And a few people have got in touch with me and said that yes, they want to carry their tickets over. Um, no one has not carried their tickets over. The only people that um, who won't be as players next year will be you and Sam because you're, you're going to be there running the event with me rather than playing. So that opened up a slot to someone that was already on the reserves that have bought that ticket today. So as it stands, no tickets have been returned yet, but that's out of the 20 doubles teams, only four or five in total have said, yes, they're definitely carrying the tickets over. So most people remaining silent on that at the moment. So I'm hoping people have got the message. Otherwise, they um, don't want them turning up at uh, an event or still thinking it's happening. Uh, obviously, I will be chasing people. But if you're listening to this and you haven't got in touch to let me know that you want to carry your ticket over, please just confirm with me so I know where you stand. Because if you want your money back, I want to be able to kind of do it in a fairly timely um, timely period for you and I want to budget it all I don't want I don't want half the teams turning up on the last day of the cut off and saying yeah we all want our money back now because uh, I might not have budgeted for it in that sense I need to be need to be careful how I do it anyway um, that's all very boring but um, we probably have a little bit of a, a longer gap for our next show. Um, hopefully this week we are recording an interview for the content of it, if we are able to do it. Fingers crossed, but the show won't be out. Um, there'll probably be much more of a normal gap between this one and, and the next one, so maybe a couple of weeks. Um, but um, do head over to Facebook and like our page and join our Facebook group and get involved in there. Follow us on Instagram at OOTFP Podcast, um, on Twitter at OOTFP. You can email us directly at OOTFP tfppodcast at gmail.com um, and check out on our YouTube channel the links in the show notes below um, and we'll catch you soon Run!